0: The attempt is brought to you by Gossamer Gear, manufacturers of functional ultralight backpacking gear designed by hikers. I've been a user and big fan of Gossamer Gear packs dating all the way back to 2012, when I was first introduced to their Mariposa, the 60 liter lightweight internal frame backpack. I've since downsized to the Gorilla, Gossamer Gear's 40 liter pack, which I used for the duration of my Pacific Crest Trail through hike in 2017. I choose Gosmer Gear packs because not only are they lightweight, but they can also comfortably carry a heavier load for when I'm leaving town with too much food, snow gear, and or enough water to cover a 25-mile dry stretch. I'm also a user of several accessories sold on Gosmer Gear's website, including their Hipster Fanny Pack, their Shoulder strap Pocket for my iPhone, and the Lightflex Hiking Umbrella to protect my fragile ginger skin against the sun and also rain. Gossamer Gear is also the maker of The One, their popular one-person trekking pole tent. It has been said to be the one you need. Listeners of The attempt can score a 15% discount at gossamergear.com by using code THEATTEMPT15 at checkout. Again, that's 15% off your cart by using code THEATTEMPT, and the number 15, all one word, at checkout at gossamergear.com. This deal is only good for a limited time, so don't wait.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the final episode of The Attempt. I wanted to start this one the way we usually do, with a walking voice memo from one of my siblings. Except this time, it's not Benjamin. Hey, um, it is 9.53 on November 5th, I am currently walking back from a physics midterm. Uh, so this is our sister, Rebecca. And I asked her if she wanted to send any thoughts about Benjamin's trip, and this is what she sent me. Overall, body is feeling fine. Back's a little sore, but you know. Today, let me see, I'm not sure how much distance I've covered today. Let me check my health app
2: on my phone. Ooh, (laughs) looking at a cool 2.4 miles. Not ideal, Um, gotta get more steps in. Let's see, for what
1: I've eaten today, um, just to keep you filled in on that. Had like a pumpkin muffin for breakfast and then some avocado toast. Um, and then had a salad for lunch. Was- so, yeah, it's gonna be a fun one today. And without further ado, let's get started. You're listening to the podcast my sister makes. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The Attempt. I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> On November 9th, 2019, I drove to the airport to pick Benjamin up after his trip. I'd been hearing his voice for the last few months pretty regularly through the voice memos and phone calls now and then, and I'd even seen photos of his face, but still. When he showed up in person with that long hair and the fuzzy face and the tan, it was surreal. All right, I just picked you up. You're in the car, you're you got... good,
3: yes, I was very happy to land. <laughs> um...
1: And all the tan that I thought was dirt is tan, or not all of it, but most so, so, of yeah. it. Well, as I said,
4: a
3: little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh,
1: my. Normally, my parents would have picked Benjamin up, but today I was enlisted because we were planning a surprise. See, my aunt Florencia and my abuela Elizabeth were both in town for a trip, and they had no idea he was going to be getting home that day. So, when I showed up at my parents' house with Benjamin, everyone went nuts. I win. Oh, oh,
5: oh my god.
6: Oh my god. I thought you were gonna be here in a couple days when I Well, we lied about where I was.
1: I finished the hike four days ago. If you haven't figured it out by now, I'm a total sucker for surprises. Just total cheese ball.
5: Alright, oh my... I need to I need to hug my kid.
3: Romeo
1: for it? Dad was out of town and Rebecca was still across the country at school. But for the rest of the day, the rest of us sat around with Benjamin and just grilled him about his hike. And he
3: had a leches cake for us. No, you know, he actually had a cake. He brought it. He brought a leches cake for us. Wow.
1: And later that night, for dinner, our friend Miriam came and we got to do the surprise all over again. <laughs> After dinner, we all piled into the couch in the living room so Benjamin could show us photos from his adventure. Seeing Benjamin with his facial hair and his desert tan back in our childhood home was amazing. He was the same little brother I'd grown up with and played make-believe games with and the guy who made the most epic sandwiches and always kept everyone laughing. But he looked more grown up. He had this calm that I think comes with the package of hiking for four months straight. And for the rest of us, I think we were able to finally breathe a sigh of relief. He was back home, safe and sound. Do you miss it or are you glad to be done? Yes. (laughs) Back when I interviewed Benjamin before his hike, in that very first episode, I asked him an impossible question, which was, what was he hoping to learn from the trail? But, of course, he couldn't possibly have known that until he did it. And so now I wanted to know, what did he end up getting from the trail? What were the lessons he learned?
3: So I recorded all of them, Um, so... I'll tell them to you briefly now. Number one, in very brief terms, is that mistakes, when you make a little mistake, your only options, or little or big, I guess, your only options are to learn or to laugh. Um, and so the, the metaphor is like you trip on a rock, which I did all the time. And at first I got like, mad at myself, or mad at the rock or something stupid. And basically you can either learn, say, oh, maybe I should step higher when I'm going up, or at night when I'm tired, I should be more attentive, or you can laugh. So like, I got laughed at my mistakes. Um, and that actually worked. That's lesson number one, learn or laugh. Lesson number two is when you're going up a mountain, look down at your feet. Um, Looking down at your feet, make sure you actually go effectively and pay attention. And looking up is just, you know, I think there's too much focusing on your goal and it can be really counterproductive. And I've made that mistake in work and school before. Lesson number three is that extremes exist. And when you're in one uncomfortable extreme, thinking that your path will take you eventually through comfort into the other extreme It's kinda of helpful to remember. So the example I experienced was like in the mornings I was really fucking cold. And as I thought, it's like I'm cold and cold and cold. Like that made it worse. But when I thought, oh, like the sun's gonna come up and it'll be really nice until about eleven and then it'll be way too hot. Like knowing that really relaxed me. I was like, oh like it'll be nice and then it'll be too hot. So maybe savor the cold. And it's kinda of hard to actually savor the cold but thinking that like, totally helped me
1: those are good those are like i mean i, lo- I love a good metaphor <clears throat> and they're, they're all little, good they're
3: metaphors a they? they're a little cheesy um but they're sincere I, I i sincerely feel all those.
1: i don't know i'm a cheesy person i think it's fine yes, to be cheesy <laughs> yes you are <laughs> um so at the beginning when we talked before you had left you I think you were a little trepidatious about making any claims about the trail because you hadn't done it yet. You know we even called the whole podcast the attempt because you weren't sure if you were gonna be able to do it or not. Um what does it feel like now to be done with it and be looking back? Like it feels like you don't have to be you don't have to hedge your bets as much when you're talking about it.
3: Yeah, I I, I do I mean I I didn't do the whole thing and I I I don't take that too seriously because, like, a lot of people don't, as I mentioned before. But even considering that, I kind of forget, like, I definitely forget that it was an accomplishment and it, like, helps to talk to people who I haven't been talking to. Like, I uh, hung out with my friend John's family the other day and they were like, wait, you did what? I was like, oh, yeah, I guess uh, that was, like, a long, you know, relatively tough project. Whenever I think about it in my head I completely minimize what it is. I and mean, like maybe I should be minimizing it. Like at the end of the day, it's like a four month vacation and like legitimately anybody could walk could walk it because like you get your body gets used to it. Like I I really, really, really think that. I don't think it's like that impressive of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's like a cool thing and I'm proud of it, but I don't wanna build it up and to be like this is like, you know, mm-hmm. an you know, a monumental accomplishment. Yeah. I'm very happy I did it. Yeah.
1: I think we're trained to feel like endings are always triumphant, that they make us uniquely happy and accomplished and proud. But I don't think it's ever that simple. Whether you hiked the PCT or graduated from college or, let's say, finished producing a podcast It never feels how you expect it to at the end. And a part of that is because once you're done, you know it was a thing you could do. You've done it. But doing that big thing wasn't inevitable. You had to make the choice to start. And then every day you had to make the decision to keep going. Those are the moments that I think really take guts. Looking back, I'm so glad we called this podcast The Attempt. Because, sure, maybe a lot of people could have done this thing. But the bravest part is deciding to give it a shot. Um, okay, so I have another question about the trail. This is not something that you really addressed, but did you guys literally call each other by, like, your, like, your trail—like, did you call the machine, the machine? Were you like, hey, the machine?
3: his was the most ridiculous, like nobody, nobody's compares to his because as the, and it was so funny because I, like, especially when, like, when Anand and Peter came, I'd be like, so his name is The Machine. And they're like, oh, we're definitely going to call him The Machine because it's so ridiculous. Other people, it was kind of this, like, nice pattern where if you hung out with someone for, say, like, four days in a row, like, their name would pop up, um, especially I was like, hey, what's up, i Brass. And after, like, you know, a couple of days, I'd tell a story about my sisters. And I'd be like, and Rebecca used to, you know, scream at me, Benjamin! And they'd be like, oh, Ben's your name. And they'd be kind of file it away. And then, like, later that day, they'd be like, hey, Ben, can you pass me that? And it'd be kind of a cool little moment where, like, every time somebody called me by my real name for the first time, it felt, like, like really, like, intimate and close and cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I, it, like, when you really knew someone well, you'd be 50-50. Mm-hmm. You'd, like, 50% call them, like, you know. Spark and 50% call him Matt. And it kind of depended on the moment. Mm. Like, Like when it'd be like, you know, talking about something more serious, you'd call them their real name. At least that's the way I did it. Maybe other people do it completely differently, but that was my relationship to it.
1: Speaking of the other people on the trail, I actually have my own little surprise for you and for Benjamin. Over the course of the last couple months, I've been reaching out to people who were involved in Benjamin's hike. And I've asked them to send me some stories of their own. And so many people got back to me with these amazing stories and messages for Benjamin. So I wanted to end this episode with their voices and stories. And Benjamin hasn't heard any of these yet. So
5: enjoy. Hey, Benjamin. It's mom. You've been talking about doing the PCT for, I don't know, a couple years. uh, And you were you were pretty dead set on it uh but i think you knew that uh dad and i had lots of questions and you got back from new york after leaving your job there and probably the first night um that uh we sat down to dinner uh you said what do you guys want to know about um about the pct we just gave you all of the things we were we were worried about um, and you said, okay, uh, sounds good. And then the next day, dad and I uh, went off to work and when we came back and sat down um, to dinner that night, um, you pulled out your laptop and you had a whole PowerPoint. Uh, you gave us this whole orientation. And, um, and after that little PowerPoint over dinner, uh, I felt like, okay, he's got this. It's a reasonable thing to do, uh, and uh, I felt like I really got behind it then.
7: First time I met Brass and his family back in Seattle, I remember thinking to myself, I never met these people, and they welcomed me into their home. This is crazy. I guess they were my first trail angels.
8: Hi Ben, this is Astrid, a.k.a. Guertelux. I remember that me, my brother Lurek and Callum, we were just coming back from the Canadian border to Harts Pass and you also just arrived there. You were all jumping out of the car, getting ready for your great adventure. Yeah, for your great attempt.
7: Our first days on the trail with Brass were so intense on so many levels that I think we bonded instantly. When I look back, I think that thanks to Benjamin, I even have good memories of the bad days. I remember that night at Brush Creek, being soaking wet, sleeping in a crooked tent, but having somebody to laugh about it with in the morning.
8: I remember that a few days later we saw each other again in Stehekin, but you were wearing sandals and you got your feet all taped because you had so many blisters (laughs) that was really funny
9: dear
10: brass i look back on my past summer and cherish those four days we spent together i love traveling with you on the trail during our last day we knew we had already gone faster than expected but getting those last four miles was so tough and our packs were so heavy we had just completely useless things i think you even had
7: a a camping knife like come on dude. It's funny when you think about it, the trail reunited us on a few occasions and it was always at times where I really needed to hike with somebody and share conversations and stories. They say the trail provides and I think that's got to be true.
8: And we didn't see each other again after that time but we were always checking the trail registers and we often saw your name and we were always counting how many days you were ahead of us.
7: I think now I can say without a doubt that my hike definitely wouldn't have been the same if I hadn't met Brass and for that I always be grateful to him. It was a
8: really great adventure we had. Hey, my name's Chips,
7: I'm from
3: New Zealand, and in 2019 I hiked the PCT with Brass.
6: Hey Brass, it's Peak Freak. I was hiking through
11: Obsidian Falls on the Pacific Crest Trail with Brass, and I picked up a piece of Obsidian about the size of a baseball, decided that I would hide it in his backpack because he has such a great sense of humor.
3: And then, yeah, I left the people I was hiking with and started hiking with him um, near like the Goat Rock Wilderness area and one of the biggest storms um, that sort of happened around there for years like came up upon us and we're sort of like at the top and there's like lightning and rain and Brussels there it's still cracking jokes yeah it made it so much better a
11: few hours later I catch back up to him on trail and he says to me does your backpack feel heavy he had found the
6: obsidian and at lunch put it in my backpack and I was the one carrying it Um, we came to a tent site now we noticed that the firing at this backcountry primitive campsite was actually smoldering because of uh unextinguished fire that the the people staying there previously had not put out um luckily you had to relieve yourself and you urinated all over the fire circle successfully extinguishing those flames um, so we were truly heroes that day and we saved saved the forest
9: but, yeah, no, lots of fun memories of the brass and, uh, yeah, top flag. It was an incredible adventure. I was just so happy to be part of it. Um, and I think through that week of hiking, I experienced more than I had really experienced, at least in terms of intensity and adventure, than I had experienced any other part of my life. So uh, I thank you for kind of showing me the door to that.
4: Hey Brass, uh, this is Flawless. Um, I hope you're doing so, so well in your post-trail life. I miss you, dude. I miss you so much.
7: Hi, my trail name is Mary Poppins and I threw hiked hike to PCT in 2019, the same year as Brass did.
4: You and I actually never hiked together, not a single step together on the trail. We met in the Sierra on that rock. We hung out. We drank beers at Kennedy Meadows, and we just kept popping up in each other's hikes um, at, at very awesome times, and that was really special.
7: I met Brass the first time, and he really, he was in a bad shape. Like, I felt really bad for him. The altitude really kicked his ass, so... I gave him some advice as what to do, and hopefully cheered up his mood a little bit.
4: Um, yeah, and then I was I was trying to come up with a funny parody song of Hey Jude, where I say Hey Brass, and then I rhyme it with Ass later, but I very quickly realized that I have no skills that could make that happen.
7: Then later on, uh, we met again in the Sierras, and yeah, we summited to... Together, Mount Whitney, which which was just stunning, sitting there on top with friends, seeing the sunrise. Oh, God, that was awesome.
4: So you don't get a song, but since your name is Brass, here's an arm fart for you, which I doubt will make it into the podcast. So, Missy Brass, <laughs> this one's for you. <laughs>
10: Hi, it's Spark. I hiked with Brass in the High Sierra and in the desert, and we went through a lot of things together. I think we were opposites in a lot of ways. Um, Brass was a really meticulous planner, and I had a more let's see what happens kind of attitude, and I think we each gained something from, from that.
2: Hey, uh, this is Trooper of Rook and Trooper. I went southbound on the PCT in 2019.
5: Hey, hey, Brass. It's Zingit. It was so cool to meet you, and remember when we picked up way too much beer for the masses at Casa de Luna?
2: Brass was like a ray of sunshine in an increasingly dark desert.
10: One of my favorite hikes with Brass was essentially our first long hike together Um, We were aiming for Muir Pass and I remember that towards the end of the day, we were about to break free of the tree line and there was a little bit of daylight left and we decided to go for it. We kind of bolstered each other. Uh, We were surrounded by nothing but rocks. It was just like the fragmented
5: pieces of the mountain laying in the bowl. And then um, I think we caught up again above Messenger flat. That was such a great sunrise. And then we had lunch break at that fire station with that radio just continuing on and on while we were eating and contemplating going back out in the sun. Really good times. Um,
2: And we just set up tent, resigned to uh, start eating in our sleeping bags when Brass shows up with just the most sincere, positive energy out of nowhere
10: and we were worried about being stranded up there exposed at 12,000 feet by then it was just me and him we were all alone nothing but the stars around us and we were joking we were laughing our way through it I think when when brass sets a goal for himself he usually makes it and I saw him do that over and over again on the PCT
2: and you know, we're in the last few hundred miles at this point. Uh, we don't frequently see folks we don't know, let alone people who feel so fresh and positive. Like he is a man out for a jolly stroll around a neighborhood he loves.
10: But we knew that there was a stone hut at the top of Muir Pass and we aimed for that. We just struggled through the dark until we ran into it, um, collapsed inside, exhausted. We thought we were either going to walk all night or, or freeze unless we found that hut. We were at 12,000 feet, so the stars were just right up against my face. And I remember thinking that that was the closest to the cosmos that I had been in my life until
11: then. Okay, so the first time I met Brass was on the Highway 58 overpass outside of Tehachapi. I had packed out from town this delicious breakfast sandwich that I planned on eating later that day for lunch. And after hanging out for a little while, uh, I realized this this awesome guy deserved this breakfast sandwich more than I did. And uh, that was the first time I got to feed Brass because... Brass just seemed to show up at the right times.
12: Hey Brass, it's Little Legs. I'm calling because your sister asked me to relate to you my favorite Brass-related trail memory.
11: And uh, if there were leftovers, I always tried to give them to Brass. And uh, I wish we would have got to hike together, but uh, it was always fun uh, to run into Brass and, and try to feed them again.
12: So... I'm going to tell you about a time. It was maybe two days after I busted my knee open.
11: If I see you again, man, I'll try to feed you, okay?
13: Hey Benjamin, it's Uncle Eric. The first time I saw you was when you were passing LA. Honestly, I almost didn't recognize you when I picked you up at the train station downtown.
12: And I was just having a day where I was really feeling down, like I felt like I was slowing down crazy eyes, which I was. And around the corner, here comes Brass, our favorite human.
13: But honestly, the coolest thing for me was that since you were collaborating with Julia on this podcast, I had an excuse to sit down with you and have a direct, serious conversation about your trip and your life and your journey and record it.
12: And he was like, oh my God, I have some homemade cookies for you. <laughs> and it just like, it just made everything better. So it was a really beautiful thing. I'm not even sure that that you realized how, how, how much I needed that cookie. <laughs> so Brass, thank you for the cookie.
9: Um, I visited you with uh, Sarah and Jordan, my sister and, and brother-in-law.
2: A couple days from the border, um think just south of cow pastures around Eagle Rock, um, and I'm hiking alone through these really high bushes in the zone.
9: We met you you know, half a mile off some major highway, walked with you for half an hour and brought you back to get some ice cream in the closest town and hung out a little bit before getting you back and on your way.
2: And... All of a sudden, I come upon Brass, who is literally reclining on the dirt as if he's on a chase lounge, cool as a cucumber, just reading The Economist magazine.
9: So, I won't go on any longer, but uh, a heartfelt thank you and a heartfelt congratulations for everything that you did.
2: And uh, that is how I will think of Brass on the PCT doing his own thing, giving you a cheerio, and just inexplicably having the latest issues of The Economist getting his Brexit news on like in the final days of the trail, just relaxing right there.
13: And that end was a surreal scene to see the border wall with razor wire and constant passing of border guards. To see you touch the marker at the terminus and then attempt to open and drink some random bottle of wine someone left there—anyway, it's—it's a huge accomplishment, and I—I admire not only that you did it, but how you did it, with thoughtfulness and introspection. You made it a journey greater than the physical one, and uh, thank you for sharing a little part of it with me.
6: Hey Benjamin, it's dad. I think back to your grandparents, my parents, who in their 50s decided to um, bike across the United States. And that was one of the things that as they look back on their on their life was one of one of the defining periods of, of what they did. And I think that that this particular journey for you is also one of those things that is a, something that, that will help you and actually help the rest of us too, to realize that no matter how big the task, no matter how big the thing in front of us, it's possible if we just try it and then have the, the willpower and the ability to, to stick to it. And if it's important, we can do it.
5: I actually felt connected to you in in a fun way, like like I was vicariously enjoying the trail with you because you know, with the little messages from your beacon, I could see where you were, and uh, and I sure knew what you were eating because I was packing all these ridiculous boxes. uh, I wasn't walking along with you, but I really felt uh, connected in, in a way.
6: I'm, I'm really proud of you. I, I really am impressed by you. And it's important for people to hear this story because I think everybody takes from it something different and hopefully will apply it to things in their lives and in the world to make their lives better and to make the world better. Anyway, I love you, Benjamin. Um, congratulations.
1: So, there you have it. That's it for the attempt. This podcast started out as a project I was doing with my brother just to keep our friends and family up to date on his trip. And it's grown into this amazing chronicle of what it's like to attempt something big like the PCT. I'm so grateful to Benjamin for trusting me to make this, for letting me help tell his story, and for being so honest. I think the reason this show has resonated with so many people is because of his ability to be so real about his experiences. So thanks, Benj. I love you, brother. You've been listening to The Attempt, produced by me, Julia Drachman, with amazing editing help from the one and only Doug Byers. Thank you, Doug. The Attempt is a production of Bad Cat Media, created in partnership with The Trek, a media company dedicated to through-hiking and long-distance backpacking enthusiasts. And I'm so, so grateful to them for helping me bring the show to all of you. So thank you, Zach, and the rest of the team. As always, you can find all the episodes of The Attempt at their website, thetrek.co slash theattempt. And the music for this episode was from Blue Dot Sessions. Also, while we're doing thank yous, I want to thank each and every one of you who sent in a voicemail. Guy Fox, Gretel, Flawless, Spark, Odie, Mary Poppins, Chips, Little Legs, Trooper, Crazy Eyes, Sing It, Peek Freak, Anand, Peter, Eric, and of course, Mom, Dad, and Rebecca. Thank you all so much for taking the time to record your memories and send them my way. I'm so grateful to each of you for sharing your stories with the podcast. And lastly, to everyone who's listened and joined us on this whole journey, thank you for listening each week and for leaving your kind reviews and sharing the podcast with your friends. It has meant the world to me. This show is over, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop making stuff. Doug and I started our company, Bad Cat Media, to make games and podcasts. So if you want to stay in the loop about our many projects, follow us on social media, at badcat underscore media, or you can check us out on our website, www.badcat.media. Hopefully we'll be back in your earbuds soon with new stories. Thank you so much for listening. And now I'll let Benjamin take us out with one of my favorite pieces of tape from his thru-hike.
3: Okay, this is really fucking incredible. Looking up, I can see the International Space Station. an Incredible sunset. But holy shit, is it so really fucking cool to be here. Oh my god. (laughs) Uh, Today was great. And I just, oh man, I spent time with cool people today. I felt connected to other humans. And right now, it's, I mean, it's just so darn pretty. Oh my god, I have to do a stream crossing in the dark. <laughs> this will be fun. Putting the phone down. Yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> Man, this is a good fucking moment.